0: We are going to study the Bible, so get your Bible, turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 1. This morning we're going to talk about prayer, and uh, I a couple of things I want to tell you as we get started this morning is, first of all, um, I am not uh, the one that can say I totally understand what prayer means and is and how it works. I uh, studied the scripture for a very long time, and I I know a lot of things about prayer, but it is hard for me to understand how uh, our God, the God of the universe, the God who doesn't need me for anything, um, how He works through His children as they pray um, and ask Him for things and uh, call on Him for things, and He somehow works His amazing plan through us and our prayers and so I don't I don't quite understand how all that works together but I know that it does I know that it does both from the testimony of scripture as well as seeing it uh, in the lives of his church over and over again I know this is what God desires for us and how he works Secondly, I want to tell you that um, I am not one who is arrived in this area. I have much to learn and much to grow in my own prayer life. Um, I think every time I come to this subject, it reveals once again, it's like a test uh, where you fail and you realize how much you don't know and how far you have to go uh, when it comes to the issues of prayer. And so I just wanted to make uh, those as kind of a springboard to where we're going this morning in an introduction uh, to talking about prayer. Uh, In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, I'd like to read to you uh, verse 3 through the end of the chapter if you'd stand in honor of God's Word. Uh, We will be looking at just verses 11 and 12, but I'd like to read all that for a sense of context. Verse 3 says this, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of each one of you uh, for one another is increasing. That's beautiful. Uh, Verse 4, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God, for your steadfastness and faith is in all your persecutions, and in all the afflictions you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us and to be marvelled at among all of you who believed because our testimony to you was believed to this end we also we always pray for you that our god may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every re- resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that at the name of our lord jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I ask your blessing on our time through your Holy Spirit that you would work in us, that you would show up in our time uh, and mark us and change us into what you want us to be. God, thank you for your presence with us here this morning. Thank you for your love for your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Many years ago, I I came across an interesting book um, that was just talking about the prayers of Paul. The prayers of Paul. And why that's so interesting to me is because he was an apostle. He was one sent by God and he was praying for churches and specific people that were meeting in a local body just like us here this morning and i found that interesting that that paul shared some of his heart in prayer but even more than that more than that when you read a prayer in the scripture you get an inspired look into what it means to pray and, and to really have a model of, of what kinds of things we should bring before God. I realize that uh, one of the great uh, passages of Scripture in First Peter, it says, cast all your cares upon Him. And, and that's really, for most of us, that's where we start and end with prayer. We, uh, we worry about something, we go, oh, we need to pray about that. We have something that comes to our mind and uh, a concern. that, and, and we say, oh, we need to pray about that. And that is important to do. And that's super important. It, it is a good model for us in prayer. Uh, do, do any of you worry about anything? Do you have any cares here today? Uh, I want to tell you, you're no good at taking care of your worries and cares. But God is. He is the one. And He calls us to pray. He calls us to pray. But beyond that, what should we talk to him about? How should we pray for one another? I think sometimes as I I think about how God brings those people to mind, when you think about who needs prayer right now, who do you think of? Don't blurt out their name, okay? (laughs) My wife. Maybe that's what you were thinking of. His wife needs prayer. How, how, how does someone make that prayer list for you? And what are the the things that you bring before the God of the universe, the God of all creation, and the God of you? How, how do they make the list for you? It's usually pretty simple in a church how people make the list, right? They either don't come anymore. Oh, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. I haven't seen them in a while. They either start sinning in a bad way, in an outward way. Oh, they need prayer. Or they get sick. You get sick. And for those of us who are sick, from, from time to, you want people to be praying for you when you're sick, don't you? And yet, uh, you, you don't want to get sick just to make the prayer list, right? So this morning, as we look at one of Paul's prayers, I want I want to... Bring before you what we can pray for everyone, everyone who's at Bear Valley Church, everyone. I, I find it interesting. Um, do you do you know what's going on in one another's lives? Are you connected with one another? Are you updated? I think it's interesting. We're in a time and life with uh, with telephones, with mobile phones with uh, the ability to update yourself to a, a bunch of people from your phone. You can jump on Facebook and say whatever you want about yourself and how great you're doing. Whether it's true or not, that's a different question. you know. We don't have the truth button on there either, right? We're really connected. We're really updated. And yet, I, I think about the time in Scripture about Paul's relationship with these churches, whether it be the church at Thessalonica or the church that we've been studying, the church at Colossae. And, and you think, what kind of information did Paul have? Old information. He had old information. And sometimes we think, moment by moment, data. if we don't have updated information, we can't act. We can't do anything. You know, maybe sometimes in your mind, uh, somebody comes to your mind that you say, you know, I should pray for them, but I don't know what's going on. I don't know what they need. This morning, I I want to give you, I don't want to say I want to, I, I do want you to have this, but I didn't make this up. I want to give you an inspired way to pray for one another in the church. You don't have to have updated information You don't have to have talked to these people in the last week. You can pray this for your missionaries. This is something that that everybody needs who's part of his church. Let's look at verse 11 and go on. And I hope you saw the context this morning as I read from verse 3. He he shares about this church who, in, in many ways, is doing beautifully. You know, the, the prayers in verse 3 where he says, We we ought to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because of your faith is growing abundantly. And love of everyone is uh, for one another is increasing. That's a good thing, a growing church that's loving one another and it goes on to talk about how their testimony how he's talking about them because they're doing so well and yet they're afflicted and uh they're they're pressed and persecuted there's stuff going on that's that's hurting them and and when you look at 1st and 2nd Thessalonians there's a sense of looking forward to the time where Christ will return and get his church to bring them home, to bring them to the place where they're going to be forever. And so Paul writes this letter as an encouragement to them. In verse 11, he talks about how he, verses 11 and 12, how he focuses his prayer for them. And I want to really own that this morning as we focus our prayers in for one another in Bear Valley Church. Verse 11 says this, Uh, To this end, we always pray for you. To this end. And and I want to tell you that that Paul had a desire for them. There, There was focused prayers for them. Though he may not have known updated information, he definitely prayed for them in a specific way. This was his end. This is how he prayed. In the middle of verse 11, it, it really gives us three things or two, depending on how you want to take it. But um, the first thing he, he prays for, he says, that our God may make you worthy of his calling. That God may make you worthy of his calling. Now, when someone, uh, when you hear that word calling, uh, we really don't use it a whole lot the way the scripture does. Um, someone is calling you. They're calling you on the phone. Uh, your kids are out playing, and you you're calling them in for dinner. Uh, you, you're you're beckoning them, and you're calling them to move, which is most of the time the way we use it. Other times, when you talk, use the word calling. Sometimes you you would say uh, someone has is really nurturing and really. Uh, a good a good person who's patient, and you say, Boy, they have a calling to teach, a calling to teach, to, to, calling to teach uh, little kids or uh, middle schoolers. The patient part was the middle schoolers, okay? But you, you look at them and you say, They have a calling, or, and someone says, Or maybe, maybe it's to the military to serve our country in that way, and you say, Boy, they just have a burning passion inside, a calling to do that. And yet in this passage, I don't think either one of those, kind of similar, but there's a real specific way as Paul talks about calling over and over again, and I think he's doing it in this passage as well. He is talking about when God enters someone's life and calls them to himself in salvation. When he saves them. When he saves them. Uh, this morning, I don't want to go through all the... I, I'd like to, but uh, I don't want to go through all the theological implications of the calling of someone's salvation, but I want you to think right now. I want you to ask the question, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, when did it happen and how did it happen? Did you get smart enough one day? It kind of feels that way, doesn't it? it may have been like the message you'd heard over and over again, and then one day it kind of the light bulb went on, right? It, it, uh, maybe the light bulb went on, or maybe the uh the the knees buckled and there was a sense of like, I can't do this anymore. And and it's interesting if you're in a group like this where someone was preaching, you, you may have experienced that thing that says, I, I felt like he was talking just to me. I, I felt like his my mom had called him and told him all the junk that I was doing. And, and there's this this amazing supernatural focusing in on us where you feel like the laser pointer is on you and you're moving and, and it keeps pointing and you're going, I can't get away from this. And God calls you to himself. And, and, and what happened there is this, that God woke you and he grabbed you and he called you to himself. What a beautiful thing, isn't it? And in this passage, as he thinks of what he's going to pray and how he focuses in his prayer for this church that is struggling, he says this. He says he prays for them that they would be worthy of his calling. Worthy of his calling. When when I say that word calling, I, I don't want you to stop too soon, Okay. What is calling? It is bringing someone to faith. It is God working in someone's life to bring them to faith. And what is he doing? He's calling them out of sin, out of the old life, into a new life, right? And it's not just calling saying, hey, I got some information for you. It's good. But he's saying, calling, come, move come over here. Abandon and come over here. He calls us to life, the new life. But not just that. I want want us to to really be careful in this. Bear Valley is a bad place to talk about this because we love living here. We love life. I met some people yesterday. Uh, They came up from another area. They hadn't been up to this area. And they came in yesterday afternoon. And I was like, and they were like, wow, this is really nice. And I said, yeah, it's beautiful. You know? About 2 o'clock, the sun's out, The the snow's not too oppressive. At least at my house it wasn't. Uh, And it was just beautiful. And there was a sense of like, isn't this great? Within the church, there's a sense sometimes, as you come to faith in Jesus Christ, where we go, man, isn't it great? God took care of my sins. He's given me nice people to live with. Everything's great. I get to go to church on Sunday. Most of my friends are there. And, and we just we have really good potlucks and stuff at our church. Everything's great. But I, I, as great as you know, eating at Bear Valley Church is, he didn't call us to eat at Bear Valley Church. That's not the end of the road. He didn't call us out of that sinful life of deadness to a life of just hanging out in his church and enjoying the good life. It is good. But as he encourages the Thessalonian church, if you look back to what I read, what what is the big ending? He calls us home. That he calls us to his kingdom to have a place with him for eternity. And the reality is that, you know, though there are great days down here, some of them are horrible. Some of them are horrible, right? They're painful. Have you experienced any? I know some of you have. As I look out over our congregation, I know some of you well enough to know that there's been days of weeping. There's been hard days. And God calling us, he did not call us just out of our sin. But he called us out of our sin to a new life, but not just a new life, but a new life that would be an abundant life really found in the next life. He says, this is what I have called you to. This is the gift of salvation. Now, what does he pray? That they would be worthy of that calling, worthy of that calling. That really, the riches that are found in the gospel, in the the person of Jesus, in all that he has gifted us and given to us, he he says, in all the treasures and riches, I pray that your life would match up with that. That it would be a fitting and, and worthy life that would match up to the treasures and riches in heaven. He says, that's what I pray for you. That's a big prayer, by the way, isn't it? It's huge. That's the first thing he prayed. We'll get back to it, okay? I skipped over some things on purpose. We'll get to it. Then he goes on to say, in verse 11, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good. Every resolve for good. Difficult uh, to understand. Many other um, translations translate a little bit different idea of bringing to fruition. But what I think he's talking about here is that which is inside of us. The thoughts of, that God has given us, the big dreams and plans and desires. He says, those things that God is prompting in you of goodness. He says, I pray that he will bring bring to fruition or, or resolve or bring about that which God has given us inside. You know, I, I was talking about this with someone in the last week and uh, they were talking about great ideas that they had had many years ago. Great ideas, but couldn't bring them about. <laughs> you know, you feel that way? You got all these great plans and dreams and goals Some of them prompted by your own flesh and others prompted by God. And you just go, yeah, but how do we get it from the inside to the outside? How how do we go from just being a great idea that God has given us or even something that his Holy Spirit is working on us to bring about outside? And he says, that's what I'm praying for. That the goodness that God has saved us for, that he has given us in the gospel, that it would... Come out and come to fruition, and really, these are kind of partners. This third point here, he says. He says this. He says, uh, "Let me fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power. Every work of faith by His power." You get a sense where there's an inner goodness, an inner call of some, uh, a thought that is given by God. He says, I pray for that. But not just that, that every work, every work, every good deed, every sense of that is motivated uh, by your spirit, that those works would be done and brought to fruition. He prays for them. And really those last two can be coupled as the inside and the outside. That the faith from the inside, that God would prompt our hearts, that it would also come out in works of faith that would come. Now, uh, he, he says that he prays these things for this church at Thessalonica. I want to back up right here. Um, I, I've tried to make a distinction, and maybe I have not made this well enough, but I want to make it now. Who is he praying for right here? Is this everyone? Does he pray this for everyone? I don't think he does. I think he prays this for his church, the Lord's church. And and some of us will look at this. Maybe we're thinking of family members. Maybe we're thinking of children uh, that aren't walking with the Lord. Don't don't have any um, any proof that they are believers. And you say, should we pray this for them? And I said, no, we shouldn't pray for this because you know what? Uh, that last point, that last point works, right? Works. Some of us skip to that as parents. We love to see works in our our kids, don't we? We like to see them outwardly saying things, doing things that look like a Christian, right? Would you rather see them look like a Christian or would you rather have them be a Christian? Be, right? Be. So take a step back. It's the unspoken prayer here. If you have family members, if you have loved ones, if you have neighbors that that need the gospel, pray that God would call them to salvation. Pray that God would work in their life in such a powerful way, just as He has worked in your life for that point in time where He draws them to Himself, where the light goes on, when the the focus is on them and they can't get away. Pray that. But for everyone else in His church, pray this. Pray that they would be worthy of His calling and that then in the inside and in the outside, that they would show their salvation. And I want to I point out the one thing I left out. Some of you have already seen this. Um, how in the world is this going to be accomplished? That first point where it says, that, I pray that you would live a life worthy of your calling. And when you hear that word worthy, what do you say? What do you say about your own life? How's that working out, right? I'm not worthy of my calling. God has called me to this amazing salvation that the sin that I was in, that I did, I was worthy of that, right? I was worthy of the life that I was living. I I was matching it, right? The life that I was living, I was matching it. I was heading to the place where I deserved but he's called us out of that. And he's called us into a new life. And not just a new life, but a new life that will go on to another life. And you say, how can I be worthy of that? I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I'm weak when it comes to the areas of sin. I, I can't do what I'm supposed to do. You say this inner goodness. I don't see a whole lot of inner goodness. And the works that are brought about, I, I don't see a whole lot of that either. How can this be? Well, let me show you what I skipped over. First of all, he's praying, right? He's praying. Uh, if uh, we could do this without God, why is he praying? Right? If you can make it without God, you know the things that you think you can make without God because you don't pray about them, Right? You don't pray about him. There's not a sense of intensity to it. To so like, you, like there's no fear factor, right? And so, if there's no fear, you, most of the time we forget about God and we say, "I got it. I got it. I got it taken care of." But He says, "I, I pray this for you. I go to the God of the universe. I go to the God who made you." And what does He s- go to them about? About worthy of His calling and inner and outer. Read this again with me and I want to point out some things here. First of all, he's praying that our God may make you. That our God may make you. Make us what? Worthy of the calling or His calling of us. Is this you being worthy or is this Him making you be worthy? It's God working in your life. And, and I see this throughout the whole passage. It's God's work in you. If he doesn't work in you, this is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And so that's why Paul prayed for this church. He says, I pray that God would work in you, making you worthy of his calling. It's huge. Make And, and may... Fulfill who who may fulfill, that God may fulfill in you every resolve for good, that God would bring about that goodness within you, that He would do the work in your heart, and then that third point. In verse eleven again, He says, "And every work of faith, faith. In, who who are we having faith in? In ourselves, please don't. I mean that'd be." That's the reality show of our world today, right? Making it on our own. Work of faith by His power. By His power. I I want us to get this. This whole prayer is is a beckoning for God to work in our midst. It's as we think about one another. We don't need to know, uh, you know, whether... Actually, we could just say, everyone's got a cold in, in Bear Valley Church. Everyone's been out a cough. Everyone's had that flu thing. We don't need to know the intensity of it. But this we also know is that everyone at Bear Valley Church needs God to be working in their heart right now. Right now. That they would live a life that is in keeping and and. and in the amazing grace and treasure of the gospel that would save them from the life that they once lived. Everyone needs that. It's God in you. It's that He would make you, that He would fulfill in you, that by faith in Him, His power would be wor- worked out in us. We'll come back to this in a moment, but really prayer brings human effort and the work of God together. And we'll talk about how that really comes together as opposed to how we think that comes together. In verse 12, uh, Paul tells us why he prayed, why Paul prayed. In verse 12, So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Why was he praying these things that, that God would uh, bring their, their life in line with this, their calling and that and inward ideas and thoughts and, and goodness that comes from God would come outwardly in works that matter and are, are from him? Why was he praying this? In verse 12, it tells us, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. I think, I think that this is where we struggle. Because uh, we, we want to be awesome. We want to be awesome. We want people to think of us as awesome. We want to be smart. We want to be successful. We want our families to look better than everybody else's families. We want to have a, success, uh, a sense of discipline and that we're whooping on life that we are destroying it, that we are ones that are not overcome, but we are the overcomers. That's what we want to feel like. And yet as we look at these prayers that would truly show us as awesome if it came to pass, why? So that, at, that His name would be awesome. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified that he would be magnified and glorified and exalted, that when people see this amazing work of God in our individual lives, that they would go, wow, truly awesome your God is. Truly awesome your God is, because I know you, you're a weak mess. I know you, you can't handle it. So you've got something and that something is your God. See, see, this is this is what's so hard for us to get, and it, it, it's so beautiful when. Um, it, maybe this will help you uh, these next three points. Okay, so first of all, God wants God wants you to be and look awesome. God wants God wants you to to be and to look awesome. Don't stop there. Number two, this is my second point here. Okay? So that the onlooking world would see him to be awesome. He wants you to be awesome so that when they look at you and they go, wow, amazing things. So that he, they would look at him and be awesome, that they would know him to be all that he is. But this is the amazing thing in this passage. The third point is this. And that will be awesome for you. Look at it. Look at how it, it unpacks this in verse 12. He says this. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified. Okay? May be glorified. In you. In you. But not just stop there. That you. You look awesome. Things are great in your life. Things God is doing amazing things. He's changing you and bringing about things that are amazing in your life. But that reflects to Him, glorified in you and you in Him. And you in Him. Isn't that hard to understand? But that this glory... It, it's shown in Him because His power is in us. And so it points back to the Father. But it also points back to us, not in that we would be great, but that, that He would work His work out in us and continue to do amazing things. We would be the benefit of that. I think sometimes when we talk about the glory of God, we say, well... Uh, I'm, I'm worthless, I can't handle life, I, I'm just a mess, God does a great work in me, anything that's good in me points back to him, done. That's all the benefit. God gets all the benefit for, no. We get the benefit. We get the good stuff. He gets the glory, but we get the benefit of him working in us. That's good for us. That's good for us. It's the thing that we're missing in our world today. Some people say, well, you know, I'm going to do God some favor by the works that I do. I'll let him use me, but I don't want to. You're missing the point. Last thing I, I want to share with you is this last part right here. How is this all accomplished? Real simply, it's the, the same way everything else is accomplished in the scripture that is part of his plan. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His grace. It's His grace. How does He do this work of making us awesome? It's by His grace. It's by His unmerited love and His favor, part of the plan of the Father in the Son, that He pours that out to us, not based upon us being good enough. If you've come to be good enough at church this morning, you've come to the wrong place. We already know the answer. You're not good enough because we aren't either. It's done by his grace. Quick story. Um, And I want to just bring this. uh, Maybe it's not so quick, but maybe it will be. Um, When I uh, uh, I was younger, I built a go-kart, a go-kart out of wood. I, I saw somebody else in the neighborhood had uh, this go-kart. And I, I came home and I, I told my dad, I said, we need a go-kart. And dad goes, what are you talking about? And I said, well, let me describe it to you. I saw it in the neighborhood. This other kid had this wood thing and it was kind of a, a flat piece and it kind of had a chair on it and it had four wheels and it had these ropes that you could pull on. And, and, uh, and dad's listening and he's going, okay. And so I built a go-kart. I built a go-kart. Um, what happened was, I went out to our garage, my garage, uh, uh, when I built my go-kart. And, and I went out to my garage, and my dad had cut out a piece that I described to him. And he had gotten his tools out, and uh, he, well, he'd gone to the lumberyard, and he'd kind of made a design in his mind. And then he got the wood out, and really, before I'd even gotten out there, he cut the right pieces and shapes. And he put the, you know, he got all the tools and the screws and the nails together, and he he got these wheels that uh, he had ripped off somebody's uh, lawnmower or something like that. I don't know, but he'd gotten all these things together, and then he did all the things that were really difficult and really that I, I couldn't do. And then I came out and I built. My go-kart. Do you get it? I was six at the time. No, I really didn't do a whole lot. I, I couldn't have accomplished it even close. I, I, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the lumber. I didn't have the garage. I didn't have the picture. I, didn't, I didn't really didn't have anything. But I built a, go, a go-kart. You see, in prayer, um, we can accomplish amazing, awesome things. And most of them are in us and in other people, right? That's what's accomplished. That's what God's doing today. And how does he accomplish that? By his own power, work, resources. And somehow he allows us part of that process, though we bring little or nothing to the table. And yet he allows us and he works in us in an amazing way real quickly. We pray because nothing happens, nothing of substance and spiritual change, nothing happens apart from the work of God. We pray because He has saved us for greatness, for awesomeness, if you're younger. He has saved us for greatness or awesomeness. We pray because we are meant for His glory alone. And if He's going to do a work uh, and receive glory, He must be the one to do it. We pray because life's successes are in direct correlation to the outpouring of His grace. Did you get it? His grace. His grace in us. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time this morning. We ask that you would challenge us and remind us through your Holy Spirit to pray and to bring uh, the big stuff of one another's lives before your your holy throne. And, And we would hope that you would work mightily in our midst. We pray that you would do that. We beg for you to do that and change us in ways we can't even understand. And in the end, God, your glory will be the recipient of all the praise, that that you would be the one that people would look to and say, you are great as you've worked in the lives of us. And, and God, for us, oh, we will get to experience the life that you have saved us for. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.